Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, welcome to the show. Another two-hour show for you tonight. Vinny White will be back next weekend, so I'm here with you until uh, 10 p.m. tonight. And appreciate you tuning in. Of course, you're always free to call in 416-872-1010 or star 8255 and text as well. Uh, always enjoy reading your text during the show and uh, trying to get back to your questions uh, as quickly as I can. So you can always text in at 71010 during the show. Um, hope you enjoyed the very lovely, legitimate spring-like weather today. Um, I went for a little jog, a walk. That's a combination walk, jog, through Trinity Bellwoods Park. And it was just, it was packed, packed with people with their strollers and their bikes and their dogs. And it was really lovely because it was like, we've been just waiting so long for weather that we can go out in and not have to wear a jacket, maybe sit on the ground, not be wet. Um, so it was really nice. It was insane on uh, Queen Street West today. So hopefully you got to get out and enjoy a little bit of the good weather. And it seems like we're going to have it. I think it's here to stay now. It's it's for real this time. Uh, coming up on the show, because I've got two hours with you, chef and owner of Ontario's first gourmet food truck, Adam Heinem-Smith from El Gastronomo Vagabundo will pop into studio. He's got a new cookbook out. And if you haven't had his food before, it's really fantastic. He, uh, he'll be here to talk about uh, the recipes and the inspiration uh, for the food in his book. Also, you know, maybe we'll chat a bit about co-hosting the Food Network's restaurant takeover. Also, his start as an Aussie chef who made his way all the way to Toronto. And uh, also give you a couple chances to win his new book, which isn't even out in stores yet. Um, also, a company in Toronto is going to rent out backyard chickens. You may have heard the story earlier this week. You really can't get fresher eggs than that. I'll talk to a Toronto woman who's been raising chickens in her yard, and she lives in the city. She's been doing this for a couple of years, and uh, we'll find out if this is a good idea or not, and maybe the things you need to consider before you sign up for uh, for your chicken rental. You get to return them when it, the weather gets bad. Uh, also, keep listening for your chance to win tickets to see award-winning comedian Ron James at Massey Hall. The show is next Thursday, April 23rd. He's been selling out shows across the country for 15 years. I think that's right, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you're not sure, if you're not sure if he's worth seeing, then you can, uh, you know, make up your mind. Cause rent a chicken. Rent a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Ron is going to be co-hosting with me up until 9 p.m. So he's in studio with me for the next hour. Uh, if you've got anything to ask him, you can always text in at seven ten ten. Would especially love to hear from your fans because I know you have many. Yeah, it's been a great run. You know, I. Uh... Started out in Toronto 35 years ago at uh, the old fire hall at Second City. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were paid uh, 350 bucks a week, a bag of russets, and uh, <laughs> a Dixie cup of Muskoka pond water. So it's been a long road. But I raised my girls here and, uh, you know, my daughters. And uh, they're, uh, one's in Glasgow now and one's down in University in Guelph. And uh, it's been a great city for me, you know. It's where I learned my craft and where I... Uh, I left to go to L.A. And, yeah. and then came back home. And like I always said, I live in Toronto, but the country's my home. Well, you travel across the country. You yeah, do shows all over. I have been, uh, if you'll pardon the metaphor, stringing my trap line from <laughs> Cornerbrook to Courtney Comox for 15 years. And, uh, you know, it's boded me well. You know, when I stood in front of that microphone and stepped away from being a, um, a journeyman actor, just going out and, you know, either getting auditions or not. Mm -hmm. uh, but when I stepped in front of that microphone, when I got back from L.A. in 93 and or 94, rather, and then uh, just concentrated on on answering the calling of stand up comedy, 
it uh, it really made a difference in my life. You know, it was following your bliss. Well, and let's just uh, brag a little bit. So you're recently nominated for Canadian Screen Award, the Screenies, I guess they call them, for I best so. performance by an actor for the Ron James Show, which, by the way, ran for five seasons. I did. Yeah, it did. It ran. That's for a five big se- deal. Yeah. Thanks very much. Yeah, yeah. I had a great uh, run at that at the CBC. It was good, you know, and. Uh, I'd laid the groundwork with uh, four or five specials prior to that, uh, where I would uh, shoot a special and regionally theme it mm-hmm. in different areas of the country. But last year, I mean, we almost did a million viewers at New Year's Eve uh, when I shot uh, the big special at uh, Fallsview Casino. Uh, that's a that's a great company to work for. Yeah, and so I was really pleased with that the way it's worked out and. Uh, but, you know, life is a victory in baby steps. And I built my career one kilometer at a time in the country. And so it, it's great to be able to walk to work for the first time in 17 years. Oh, yeah, I bet. Uh, yeah. And it'll, so be, it'll be five. Uh, I actually live about mm, uh, about seven blocks from Massey Hall. So, you know, given Toronto's construction uh, of condos, it should probably take me about two and a half hours to get there with the construction. And You'll have to cones. go all around the city. It's unbelievable. Um, so seven hit stand-up specials, right? This is the seventh? Is this is that correct? The uh, one that... I'm about to shoot my seventh uh, special in October. Okay. Yeah, we're just looking for a theater now. Yep. And uh, what's great about the big canvas and the big theater is, uh, you know, you really get to uh, take the car out on the highway for a run, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get to structure a theme and uh, cover a wide range of topics. And the challenge, of course, is always uh, you're playing a theater either in Ontario or Saskatchewan or sometimes Nova Scotia, and you have to make the material palatable for the audience that you're performing for in the room as well as uh, right across the country. Now, so the other six, the six uh, specials that you have under your belt already that yeah. have been, that have aired, um, they are quite regional. So, you know, they're, well, up and down in Shaky Town, that was the first one. That was my one. first one on CTV, and that was about my three years in L.A. Yeah. That's where I, uh, you know, I made... <laughs> I made some lemonade out of lemons, I guess. <laughs> you know, I went down there with uh, the hope and promise. It was supposed to be now, uh, how old's my oldest? I guess I left about, uh, I was there from 90 to 93. And so when I came back, uh, as I say, I wanted to shift that paradigm. And mm-hmm. uh, it was a great opportunity to um, uh, re-clarify yourself, you know, after three years struggling in L.A. I went down to do a series that was canceled. I was at work for a long time. And uh, I remember uh, I went to buy some plants one time down in L.A., and uh, I said to the salesman, oh, these flowers are going to look some friggin' nice on the patio. Eh? <laughs> and he looked at me and said, where's that accent from? I said, I'm a Canadian, sir. He said, oh, no, it's further away than that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, from time to time, I would lapse into the accent of my region of origin back in Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd already put, uh, you know, 10 solid years in Toronto uh, doing commercials and sitcoms in those days. And, of course, on stage at the old fire hall. They were great days, too. But it's been an exponential leap from being an improviser to being a stand-up comedian. It's a whole different discipline. And there's a lot of work involved in writing those shows. So I just want to name the other shows because this might help people later on when they're trying to win tickets. So Up and Down in Shaky Town, uh, The Road Between My Ears, Quest for the West, was that, and then West Coast Wild. So a lot of them seem to be Well, about... there were two of them there. Quest for the West was about... Uh, I did that to commemorate the 100th uh, anniversary of uh, Alberta and Saskatchewan. That was my theme. Mm-hmm. I shot that at the Jack Singer in Calgary. And, uh, I mean, it's amazing, too, I mean, uh, how much it's changed, you know, in 10 years. I mean, in those days, every time a car blew up in the streets in Baghdad, there was a brand-new truck in every Albertan's driveway. Uh, but now the oil's taken a nosedive faster than a 
kamikaze pilot with a rabbit in his pants. So it's <laughs> uh, it's nuts, you know. Uh, and you notice when you look back on some of these specials how the political climate has changed nationally as well. And then the next special of that was West Coast Wild. So mm -hmm. I looked at BC. Then I came uh, out east to back home in Atlantic Canada, shot that in Halifax. And then the next one was uh, Manitoba Bound. And then I got the series. But uh, each of those specials I wrote myself. It was uh, usually about 60 to 70 pages worth That's of material. That's a lot of work. Yeah, it was a lot of work, a lot of research. and But I was able to hone the material for the most part, uh, half of it anyway, on the road. But then I got the series and uh, I had the good fortune of excellent writers. Uh, and uh, the last special, I collaborated with two who were in the room for the five years, mm -hmm. uh, Scott Montgomery and Mr. Paul Pogue. Oh, wait. Um, Ron's going to stick around for the hour. So if you have any questions for him, you can text in at 71010. We'll also be giving away a pair of tickets to his show, which is next Thursday, April 23rd at Massey Hall. Uh, do you want to give us a little hint as to what that show might be about? Yeah, it's about, uh, you know, how much Toronto changes, how much the world has changed in the 35 years that I've been here. And, mm -hmm. you know, the change in uh, in people's lives and uh, and the trajectory from point A to point B. And basically, it's the same theme that's in all my shows. That It's one man trying to make sense of this rapidly changing planet, standing in one place, moving as fast as he can. And you, uh, you said something that I want to talk about more when we come back, which is the fact that back home for you is Nova Scotia, which mm. is also back home for me. Yeah. And I think we should How talk cool a little bit. And I... I'm yeah. biased, but I think Maritimers are the friendliest people in yeah. Canada. Yeah, we're children of lobster blood. <laughs> we are, we're yeah. practically related yeah. because I also discovered that our, our parents pretty much live, <laughs> you pretty know. close to each other. Very close to Raised each other. Raised on a diet of Keith's and Donaire's. <laughs> it's delicious. That's, well, you can always know, uh, that's how you always knew when I was, uh, no, in my early 20s, how you had a lot of fun because uh, the night before, because you woke up with, uh, with crumpled... Uh, yeah, with crumpled bills in your pocket and Donaire sauce on your <laughs> shirt. So it's, it's always nice to wake up with Donaire sauce there. Like, you know, it's a, it's a nice, easy breakfast. Right, isn't uh, it though? <laughs> Comedian right. Ron James is going to stick around for the hour. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. This is The Pay And I've got award-winning comedian Ron James in studio with me. He's here until 9 p.m. Coming up later in the show, we'll also give you a chance to win tickets to, he to see his show at Massey Hall. And of course, I'd love to hear from some of you who have perhaps seen Ron before or uh, think you deserve to win the tickets. You can text in at 71010. So just before the break, we were mentioning, Ron, that we are both from Nova Scotia and... Uh, you know, the Maritime, Nova Scotia is not that big, so I'm always quite thrilled when I'm in Toronto, this giant, massive city with millions right. of people. And not and only run, that, but we've got a condo. Uh, we own a condo in the same building. In the same building in wow, Toronto. how about that? Um, but the funny thing, so last we met last night. There was a dinner held for you last night with some contest winners. Yeah, yeah. Who had a chance to to meet you. Yeah, that and was chat interesting. Eh? Eating hand smothered caribou by Dene Elders and 
you know, pickerel from the north. It was wild. Well, what I didn't realize until we were having this dinner is that um, you had some say in the menu and you decided that you wanted a very Canadian menu. Yeah, why not? You know, I mean, I've uh, uh, I've been from one end of the country to the next and I've got an appetite for game. You know, when, when I was a kid, I used to go hunting with my dad in the Maritimes. I mean, what did you get? Oh, we used to get rabbits and partridge and things like that, but he'd get bigger stuff like deer. But anyway, we ate it and stuff. Newfoundland relatives used to send us bottled moose and stuff. I mean, wow. Up until I was 15, unless I was picking fur from my teeth at the table, I didn't figure <laughs> I was being fed. You didn't even know what a grocery store looked like. You just like went out in the <laughs> well, woods and shot dinner. Well, Dad was a traditionalist, you know, but uh, and uh, ironically, game has made a comeback because it's so healthy and it's not shot up with hormones. So we had caribou last night. We had pickerel and this young chef. Chef Luke, mm -hmm. uh, who uh, has a, a funky little kitchen in Kensington, right? Yeah, a tiny yeah, little yeah. place. So yeah, I guess yeah. he does like little yeah. pop-ups. So there's yeah. about 20 of us crammed into his yeah, place. Yeah, but he's uh, ranked uh, eighth in the world uh, for supper clubs, I believe, by the Food wow. Network. So, uh, he's, you know, the kid's got a really good future. So it was nice to get some contest winners out there and uh, eat some Canadian game. Geez, he made that uh, lobster pancake. That's it was a, really nice. It was kind of nice to see food that uh, reflected different parts of Canada. Absolutely. Neat. Yeah, yeah. It's a heck of a lot different than boiling them up on a beach in an iron pot <laughs> with a bunch of cold keats stuck in the ocean. Mind you, that's pretty cool, too. That is that is pretty you know, cool. Just was... hanging out after a long day in the sun and the beach and warming your toes. But today was so splendid in Toronto. That's one of the great things about living in Toronto. And I know spring took its time here. Yes, but, it did. But, uh, I mean, you know, there's still... They're still chopping ice uh, back east. It's been a hellacious winter. It's right out of the ice age. And everybody's strolling today, the sun in your face. I mean, T.O.'s great for that respect, even though the skyline looks like Berlin after World <laughs> War II. With you all can't the... even see it most of the well, time in the, the summer. Well, the construction cranes, right? Yeah. Now, um, what do you like about Toronto audiences? Because you have traveled across the country and you've been to a lot of different yeah. small towns and cities, and they're all, I'm sure, very different. I'm sure the similarities, but... Uh, the Toronto audience, what is that like for you? Well, you've got to reorient your content. And just like uh, if you're playing uh, Victoria, B.C., Vancouver, uh, Halifax, or uh, St. John's, uh, everybody likes a certain percentage of their material customized. So that's always been my case off the top. And I think most comedians worth their salt know how to customize. I know Leno does it, and I know that uh, Louis C.K. played St. John's a couple of years ago, walked mm -hmm. around town, had 10 minutes on it. And uh, that's what's nice, you know, I get to rediscover a city again for the first time. So I'll try to set a tone about the city and the changes and, you know, what it's meant to me off the top and then move into um, a lot of material that has to do with uh, you know, national politics, uh, some provincial stuff, uh, change, you know, midlife. Uh, I was a runner for years and it turns out all the running I was doing was actually killing me. What? What? what I just I'm just starting to run now. I ran 15 minutes today, but I. Oh, running's great. I miss it. Do you? Oh, I hate boy. it. No, oh, Ron, no. I hate really? running so much. And I force myself to run. I try to do it every second day. Yeah. Um, Are you stretching afterwards? Yeah, well, a little. Yeah, but that's what happened to me. I didn't stretch enough and I tore my meniscus. <gasps> I don't even know what that is. And it's a little, you know, it's the flap in your cartilage and stuff. And he says, uh, <laughs> I had to laugh at the doctor, though. He said, your injury is typical of aging athletes. I said, athletes. Athletes, that's flattering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got seven goals in 10 years playing minor <laughs> hockey and six were on my own net. So it's, uh, it is very flattering. But I used to run everywhere, you know. I'd run along the Bow River in Calgary in minus 25 weather. And, you know, you get your, um, you get your long John layers on that 
I mean, you can get great stuff for running now. Did you like the long distance running? Would you run like 10, uh, 20K? Well, I ran the half marathon here uh, in October one year. Uh, But I never did get up to the full marathon. Although I got a buddy back home who's run run like 11 of them. So some cats just have the knees for it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't, but it's good for you. Well, I'm I'm already noticing that it's my knees hurt, so I like to blame everything on running. I want I want <laughs> I almost want someone to right. say to me, "You should not run." Well, get and a I bike. W- yes, I do have a bike. You know, and I need to get it out of storage. And I, but the downtown Toronto is such a mess with construction oh, that it is so difficult. It's I mean, it's difficult crazy. to ride to to drive, but even to ride your bike uh, sometimes can be such a challenge. But it's still, I think, uh, faster than driving around the city. Um, People often say that Maritimers have a very unique sense of humor. Would you agree with this? Yeah, I'd have to say that. And I'd have to say it's boded me well, because we were never really invited to the party that Ottawa was thrown for the rest of the country. You know, we were <laughs> always on the porch with the bearded lady and the dog-faced boy. And uh, I think it's good to be an observer. I mean, it's one of the qualities of comedy that's boded Canada well uh, also, because we were stuck between Britain and America looking at, you know, on both sides of the fence. Uh, but, uh, I mean, you know, you never want to be a card carrying member to the country club. I remember my, uh, I got some uh, hot tickets to the ACC a few years ago. My dad and I managed to get a pass to the, uh, platinum lounge that was filled with, uh, high rolling Bay street, fat cats and pink faced Illuminati, right? <laughs> There's me and my 80 year old father standing in the corner, double fist and free draft, wondering what the hell's on top of our cracker. <laughs> I learned a lesson there though. Never be in a room filled with people you'll make fun of for a living. So... <laughs> So it's it's important to uh, it's important to observe. And uh, also, too, uh, like you were saying uh, last night when we were talking, uh, it's uh, it's a great place for storytelling. And uh, my relatives and friends and my family were always great with a yarn. I mean, Mm -hmm. still, I can't remember a joke to save my life unless I write it. But my dad is of a different era and he was always uh, always had a bag full of jokes and mom likes a good laugh and. Our kitchen was always active. You know, it's almost yeah. like a cliche now. The, the kitchen party, kitchen. right? Absolutely. Well, it just was. It just was. And some nights that that house on Oxford Street would lift off the foundations. <laughs> and uh, there I was, you know, like a uh, a little redheaded kid sitting on the counter, um, sponging it all up through osmosis. I mean, I was like 41 pounds and I was 15 years old and 37 of that was my head. Because of your giant brain? Well, I don't know if it was my giant brain. <laughs> my math marks would dispute that. But, uh, you know, with the Newfoundland Cape Breton background, it's not like comedy wasn't... <laughs> it's a good mix. It was the option, right? Uh, it wasn't even an option. So uh, I answered my calling. and uh, But years later, it's it's uh, I can't stress it enough just because you come from a place that might have personality and I have a lot of friends who are funny and humorous and gregarious and that sort of thing. But um, uh, I can't stress enough uh, how hard the work is and, and how I tip my hat to my uh, my peers in the comedy minds who've been in the game for the long haul. Uh, you know, the road takes no prisoners and comedy doesn't suffer fools. This is uh, it's it's not uh, it's not a calling for the weak of heart. And it's not. And it's interesting that you mentioned that I was uh, having dinner with a friend of mine who works in the comedy world. And uh, and be, and I I really enjoy going out to see shows, stand up or you know, right. open mic. And I said, uh, I feel like you have to have a really thick skin to be a comic. But at the same time, what I get from a lot of comics is a real sense of insecurity. And you're almost <laughs> maybe. Well, I think we get into, it. 
Well, I think you get into stand-up. You answer the calling to stand-up because you'd like to make sense of the world and connect the dots and the chaos we're all walking through in the language of funny. But when you're standing in front of that microphone and the glaring eye of God in the terms of a spotlight is is on you, it's a it's a crucible. And uh, yeah, I guess there's a a certain insecurity uh, about people in the game. But uh, I think the the entire world has an insecurity about itself. And I think that uh, nothing is secure these days. There's no job that's secure. No, I know when I went Please tell that to my mother because she does not understand why I don't have a job with a pension. <laughs> Isn't that something? You yeah, don't she thinks she should have a job. Like My parents just really thought like they moved to this country and they worked really hard so that my brother and I could have a, a job for the rest of our lives. But, you know, that's that generation. I mean, yeah. you're... Your folks were immigrants who came to a country to make a go of it. And, you know, I guess having your blue cross card and a pension <laughs> is the victory, right? Yeah, it is. You know, I mean, my father was born to a life of Hobbesian drudgery on the southwest coast of Newfoundland when life was short and seagulls were supper. So, you know, at my point in time in 1980, after getting a degree in history, after, you know, going into debt through university, <laughs> I go, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go into a. A profession that has absolutely no guarantee. Zero. Uh, <laughs> but you got to follow your bliss. That's mm -hmm. a line from Joseph Campbell, right? And, uh, you know, I I would encourage people to uh, you know, understand uh, how tough the road is for somebody who wants to make a living getting laughs. Yeah. Particularly in Canada. I mean, I mean, look what happened at the Comedy Network. You know, they should have been a forum for young Canadian comics. And after Comedy Now went off, they just became a clearinghouse for American content. Yeah. And uh, the uh, the last vestige of uh, of solo performance is really a, a man or woman in front of the microphone making sense of the world on their own terms. It's... Um, it's a great calling, and uh, I admire everybody who stayed in it for the long haul. Well, so do I. We're going to talk more about that. Uh, comedian Ron James is my guest tonight. He's here with me until 9 p.m. You can text in 71010 if you have anything to ask Ron. We'll be back after this quick break on the Pay Chen Show. Just because you're rich and famous, you know, doesn't mean you're right. Take Gwyneth Paltrow. Contemporary Hollywood royalty. You know, Gwyneth, what a piece of work that is, eh? A sanctimonious, high colonic, cleansing, new age princess who probably breastfed her kids on unicorn milk. <laughs> I've tasted that and it's very sweet. <laughs> this year when Gwyneth's marriage failed, okay, she couldn't just get divorced like regular people. No, Gwyneth and her husband consciously uncoupled. <laughs> Incidentally, she doesn't just go to the bathroom either. She enlightens her load. And that is comedian Ron James, who's in studio with me tonight. Thank you for joining me, Ron. Thank you very much for the invite. And uh, Ron nice has a down. show uh, next Thursday, April 23rd at uh, Massey I think Hall. it's a next Thursday. Yeah, As in a like week, a week, a not week this from week. this Thursday. Yes. So April 23rd. Yes. Imagine if everyone showed up 
this Thursday. Wow. And you weren't there. But then I could tell them where you live because it's not far. They could exactly. just go to your condo. I come down. I do a few <laughs> minutes from the balcony. <laughs> no, you would invite them up and have a barbecue. It's an iconic room. I love that Massey Hall. Oh, yeah? Oh, geez. I saw Neil Young there a couple times. Saw Levon Helm in his last year. Uh, he was playing at the top of his game. And uh, took my daughter to see Joni Mitchell. Oh, nice. That was so cool. Yeah, yeah. she did a poem about rain. She had a great jazz band backed up by Wynton Marsalis. It's uh, it's the room where you want to plant your flag. The last, the first special I did for CBC, Row Between My Ears, I shot it at the Winter Garden Theater. And oh, that's a nice space. Yeah, yeah, the Winter Garden's a nice space, too, and they're really good people there, uh, as well at Massey Hall. But there's something iconic about that room, and, uh, you know, there's a great band. I don't know if you're f uh, familiar with them called Whitehorse, a husband and wife team out of Durham. No, I thought uh, you were going to say New Kids on the Block. So yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, actually, they call their uh, their first album Road to Massey Hall. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So it's great to be able to, uh, uh, you know, go there. And, you know, my show's about two hours long, so... And I don't take a break. And yeah, I like to give folks that's a, a lot. That's well, a lot I like of work. To give folks a bang for their buck, you know, yeah. when everything else is driven by hype and spin. Mm -hmm. And uh, you got to give them the kind of show that makes them feel that they left their house for a really good reason. Right. Because there's so much to keep you in front of the TV. Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, it's a, T it's a TV big deal for, for people to get out sometimes, right? Because they have to get a babysitter. They got to find parking downtown. Sometimes it's a that's a big event for them to go out. So yeah. To go yeah. And, and we're advertising as well uh, far and wide. You know, I'm advertising in, in Mississauga starting tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got uh, some scrawls coming up, um, scroll scrolling coming up on CP24. And, uh, you know, I always felt that that was the case when I was on the road, uh, that, uh, you know, people are going to get a babysitter and and uh, and make plans to come out that uh, they have to see the kind of show that's going to make them uh, uh, remember. And I sort of have a motto. If the ushers aren't wiping the seats down after I'm finished, I haven't done my job. So, <laughs> well, the ushers must love you. I hope you tip them on your way out. <laughs> now, uh, you know. I was mentioning to you last night, because I didn't realize until we, we spoke over dinner when we met uh, at this uh, nice dinner with some contest winners that were there, some fans of yours, uh, that you, you know a lot about food. And because you were mentioning to growing up, you were hunting, you, you've traveled across the country, you know uh. sort of the the meats that are uh -huh. uh, relative to certain areas of, of the country. And then I was asking you about chickens. And I asked you if you would consider raising, if you had a... A yard, mm. would you consider raising chickens in your backyard? Because I found the story, which was very interesting this past week, uh, in that a company, a Toronto company, is going to start renting out chickens for wow. people to raise in their backyards in the city so you don't have to have a lot of space. And that way you can have your fresh eggs and also, I guess, you know, just feel good about... You can feel pretty good about having your own chicken. <laughs> but here's the thing that I discovered, though, that when you do... Uh, that chickens stop laying eggs after two years. So if you buy the chicken, it's good you're renting it, because if you buy the chicken, then you're just stuck with a throw pillow that <laughs> sits on the couch and clucks and craps on the rug. Well, then you just have a really nice little pet. Well, uh, I happen to chickens know... Chickens are smart, I heard. Well... I don't know how smart they are. I read a book called uh, uh, about food, uh, the Food Nation. Uh, what was it called? Uh, oh, it was called what's it called? Eating animals. Anyway, that there's uh, that, that chickens, they're actually smart. That chickens can do math, apparently. Come on, that they can do fundamental arithmetic, 
which is probably a hell of a lot more than I could ever do. <laughs> it's uh, like you don't even need a calculator. Yeah. Just get your chicken to do math for you. I had well, a teacher who used to phone my house if I lower, made lower than 65 out of 100 on a math test when I was in grade 7. Your teacher called your house? Yeah, man. That's he terrible. was uh, Yeah, yeah. Pay, he was old school Mr. Baker. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Put the fear of God in all of us. Well, uh, maybe Signa can clarify some of the rumors around having chickens in your backyard. So Signa Langford, she's a writer of uh, food, lifestyle, gardening, written for the Globe and Mail, the Post, the Star, a lot of publications. And Signa, you're also working on a cookbook, right, about gardening and cooking with urban hens. Yep. Okay. Hi, Signa. Um, and I, I, I have to say, um, Ron, uh, they are very smart. It's true. Um, chickens are, they say, about as intelligent, well, intelligent, it's kind of a human thing, but they're as clever as a three-year-old child. What? Yep. Really? Um, and Do you fact, think they're ever going to join and turn against us? <laughs> you <laughs> know what? Army. I would not blame them. What we put them through. Yeah, they I have know. Every bloody right, as far as I'm. Can I say bloody on the radio? Uh, yeah, it's fine. I'm <laughs> glad you broke the taboo because I was going there. <laughs> no, okay. So, Signa, how long have you had chickens in your yard? And you um, live in the city had, as well. I've had them now probably seven years. Wow. And um, and you know, or oh, something else, Ron. You said after two years they they stop laying. That's not true. Either. Okay. You know, this is it. Like, I think we should we should just get rid of a whole pile of mist right off the top. Okay. Um, they will keep laying pretty well. It's a weird little thing with the with, with hens. They seem to have their kind. Their lives are kind of timed with their um, how how long they lay. They they tend not to live much beyond when they stop laying, you know. So uh, I've noticed with my with my girls, once they've gone into full-blown henopause, and that's what I call it when they stop laying, <laughs> um, the, um, they, they probably only live another year or so. Um, they're not, they don't stay around forever and ever. So then how long does the average hen live? Well, you know, in ideal conditions and everything, you could, you know, hens can probably live to early teenage years, you know? What? Whoa, that's a that's an investment. That's like a cat. It is. It's a long time. Um, but unfortunately, most hens don't make it to that, that sort of age because um, when you think about it, they're... Their bodies are so exhausted because you know they they've been engineered in a way oh. you know to to lay an egg every day. Right? That's Franken food engineering. That's it's it's, it's yeah. You know, all you got to do is watch that special food ink, and everyone to eat a chicken yeah, that you isn't. You know what? You watch food ink. You read um, any number of of the books that are available right now to read about what's going on. Um, like you mentioned, Eating Animals is one. Yeah, that's a good book. Uh, Chew on This is another one. Uh, of course, Anything by Michael Pollan is another one. One of my favorite guys, and um, Ron, I think you would love his delivery in his book, is, uh, if you haven't already read, Folks, This Ain't Normal by Joel Salatin. Oh, no, no, oh. never heard of that guy. Okay. Oh, my God, he's my hero. Oh, cool. He's brilliant. He's, um, he's a farmer down in uh, the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia, he was um, introduced to us by Michael Pollan. He's, he's, you know, the man who is showing the world that it it's possible to to do a a, a proper old-fashioned farm with. You know, like a self-contained system of, of you know, using Isn't that the cool? And well, I know people animals. that, I mean, when I was growing up as a kid, a lot of folks had chickens in Cape Breton. Of course. Yeah. And you know what? In Toronto, too, lots and lots and lots. I mean, thousands of people have chickens here. But it's, do they really, Signa? Yeah, because they are, people do not have... It's gone underground, right? I mean... Well, are um, they underground? They're not underground, but... <laughs> no, you know what? It's true underground because I've spoken to people, too, that have said... 
Oh, yeah. Well, when the when the bylaw went into place, I just moved my chickens to the basement. Okay, so Signal, we just have a little bit of time, so I just want to clarify okay. a few things for people who are curious about this backyard chicken thing. So yeah. if pe- some people may be interested in doing this themselves, others may fear that their neighbor is going to do this. And yeah. so uh, let's talk about the fact that it is still currently illegal, right? Yeah. So there's a bylaw against it. Um, and the bylaw was put in place in 1987. So it's a fairly new bylaw in as much as it's, you know, chicken keeping just went on, tickety-boo, people had them. I mean, I, I, I defy you to find me, you know, an Italian household that didn't have some chickens, you know, up until that bylaw. I mean, everyone did. Okay, so now how... Um how easy are they to keep in a small yard? Like, do they make Very a lot of easy. noise? Do they smell? No, do... this is it. I, I read the comment from that Glenn de Beer maker or whatever. Uh, you know, oh, he says, oh, a chicken coop smells vile. Well, no, not a not a properly maintained, cleaned chicken coop with, you know, a, a small number of hens in it. Maybe he went and visited a big operation. Yeah, those industrial chicken places are disgusting. Okay, so that you're making a case for people to have chickens in their yard. What's an ideal number in a small space? Because most Toronto yards are pretty tiny. Yeah, I, w- I would say three, three to, to five, depending on how much space you have, how big the coop is, how much time you can give to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do a, a cleanup, a little tiny uh, you know, cleanup every single day. Yep. And 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 some big ones, you know, uh, several throughout the the season, and um, it, it there's no smell. No okay. one is ever. Well, because you're you're looking after them like a proper pet well, or whatever. No, listen, you're allowed to have five cats, yeah. two dogs in this city. If I let them all stay outside and crap all over the place and never cleaned up, do you think that would make a stink? I mean. The neighbors would probably have a problem with that. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Um, uh, is that considered, what's considered free range? Can um, I ask free that? Free range is actually what are the dimensions? the toes, walking around, sunshine on the back. Okay. You know, um, that's real. Now, if you're asking in terms of like, you know, uh, what you see on the cartons in the grocery store. Right. Uh, that's so airy-fairy. And it's, I don't think the Mennonites are lying, though, when they say free range. When no. I buy my eggs from them, it's kind of like going to church for me. Yeah. I believe it, too, yes when I buy my no, chicken though. from them and it says yes free range. No. So <laughs> okay. it's, All really, right. it's a tough one. I mean, the only way to be absolutely sure is know your farmer and visit the farm. Yeah. And and put chickens in your yard. And have your own chickens. <laughs> right. you got to love row farms, make though. People understand you don't need a rooster. Right. All right. Okay. Great. Thank you so much, and I appreciate it. No worries. We'll talk to you again. Okay. Bye. So much more to say about this. I know. (laughs) Signa Langford, she's a Toronto writer and uh, who also happens to have chickens in her yard downtown in the city. Seven. That's quite a... Are you going to get some now? No, I live in a condo. I don't have a balcony, so they'd be inside. You know what? There's grass on the roof of the condo across from me. Is there? We could have them out there. Who's to say that you couldn't have a goat up there or a couple of sheep? No one's to say it. No one's going to complain. I bet you that's the future. (laughs) We're taking a quick break here on the Paychen Show. My guest, Ron James, coming up after the break, your chance to win tickets to see his show on April 23rd. Yeah. Nah, 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 nah. It's a far cry from all the artisanal food that's the latest fad these days. It's artisanal, huh? That just means you pay four times more for it. I went to a cafe and ordered a cheese plate. The waiter who brought it over, he had such reverence for the food. You'd think he was reciting holy scripture. 
This unpasteurized camembert <laughs> is made from a 700-year-old Patagonian recipe using the milk of alfalfa-fed lambs from Borneo, where it's aged a fortnight under bamboo pyramids and served with mulberry preserves from an organic fruit farm in the Okanagan Valley. That doubles as a tough love retreat for at-risk youth who release their anger at society by crushing their hand-picked berries barefoot under moonlight in a Mayan forgiveness circle. That, of course, was comedian Ron James, who's been in studio with me for uh, the past 45 minutes. And, Ron, uh, we've been promoting the fact that you've got a show coming up a week Thursday, so yes. April 23rd at Massey Hall. We have a pair of tickets to give away to Bonus. one lucky listener. So this is how it's going to work, folks. One pair of tickets to give away. Let's do the um, third correct caller who can name one of Ron's past uh, specials, because there's been six of them, yeah. and we named them off uh, at the top of the show, but I also feel like if someone is a fan and knows you, they'll be able to spot off the name of one of those. They should be able to. So you know, I'm not going to hold it against them if they can't. <laughs> 416-872-1010, or star 8255 on your cell phone. Elliot, my technical producer, is now uh, clearing the phone lines so that you can call in 416-872-1010, or star 8255 on your cell phone, uh, tell Elliot the name of one of Ron's six specials, and uh, you could be heading to his next great show on the twenty third. Uh, Ron, just before during the break, we were talking. You were talking about Netflix a little bit. Do you subscribe and do you yeah, like yeah, binge I watch? Do. Television has changed so exponentially, hasn't it? Oh, it has because now I don't have to use a VCR. No, and it, <laughs> it's. Uh, well, I could never use it anyway, but Netflix is so easy. But it's binge-watching at the at its best. Well, do you remember how you had to, if you had a favorite show, you had to wait every week for yeah. that show to be on. You had to be home for it, or you had to remember to set a recording on your VCR. Yeah. And, you know, if you set it for the wrong time because it was bumped for something else, you were screwed. It didn't. It didn't figure things out for you. But now you sit down in the Lazy Boy, and 72 hours later, yeah. you've... Uh, you know, you're an emaciated husk <laughs> sitting in your own filth, bleeding from the eyes. But it, you've watched House of Cards. <laughs> well, forget about watching The Walking Dead. You've just joined them. <laughs> it's incredible. And then what I love about Netflix is they'll come on and they'll say, maybe you'd like to watch The Hunger Games. I think of The Hunger Games. I haven't eaten since last Tuesday. Uh, but as much as you get changed technologically, you're also getting this great progress uh, in terms of food, when we were talking about that artisanal bit that I had on the go there, uh, there's always uh, there's always some warning. I mean, I never know what I'm, I never know if I'm poisoning myself when I'm eating something now. Well, is it you know? food you're making yourself? Well, no, no, <laughs> no, it's stuff. That's, well, my early days of cooking, that was certainly the case. But uh, the World Health Organization came out and said that sugar's the new heroin. Now, look, I'm a baby boomer. I'm 57. If sugar's the new heroin, my mother's kitchen must be an opium den. Uh, my generation lived on sugared cereals. I mean, we should be rolling pensioners in alleyways to feed our sugar crisp fix. It's and cheaper I, than heroin. It is much cheaper than heroin, and uh, oddly enough, it uh, uh, it doesn't uh, it doesn't have such poor negative effects. <laughs> it's not. It's the new heroin, but at yeah. the same time, it's. It's, uh, uh, but you know, that, that, uh, you just gave me a book here by that, uh, a Buffalo girl cooks bison. 
Which yeah, is, so uh, I had her on the show a couple of weeks ago, Jennifer Bain, who writes, uh, who's a food columnist for the Toronto Star. Because last night when we were having this um, lovely dinner with some of your contest winners, you were mentioning how much you love game meat. Uh, well, who knew that? I mean, and it's all over Toronto. Who knew that Toronto was going to be a culinary destination for the world? I mean, a fancy dinner out 30 years ago when I moved here was what? Buffalo chips and Mr. Green Jeans and a foot-high Reuben. Uh, you know, you couldn't get a drink in front of you on Sunday unless you had uh, food. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't You couldn't be served liquor on Sunday in Toronto less what? than 30 years ago unless you had food in front of you. So that's where you'd see these bizarre sites like six bros from the frat house at the Brunswick house sharing a pickle while they're power <laughs> chugging 17 pitchers of draft. Was that true? You yes, had to have uh, yeah, some used, sort of food? Yeah, I used to so be a, could, like, I used to be a be, bartender. It could just even be a bowl of nuts or something, right? Uh, well, you For had that? to buy something, oh, right? Oh, okay. So you, you couldn't know, go for free nuts. It was some kind of, it was some kind of Puritan rule because, uh, you know, Toronto was such... I mean, in those days, uh, you know, Toronto Wins International Film Festival, it, it wasn't nearly the red carpet gala that it is now. It oh, was I just, bet. And as far as celebrity sightings were concerned, it was just, you know... Oliver Reed standing at the corner of Young and Bloor, hammered at lunchtime, hanging a rat in the street. Uh, it was it was a small town, but now it's incredible. I mean, you can you could go to the West End to a charcuterie restaurant. And, yeah, you know, eat. and who knows what kind of meat that is? Well, it's horse, isn't it? Charcuterie can be any kind of. It's usually different kinds of cured meats. It can be. Uh, it could be bison, it could be elk, it could be... But there's some places that do serve horse. Yes, Did there you know is. That? Yep, there so, is, for oh, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, great. So you want to go out on a Saturday night with some high-end yuppie foodies to eat the same You're talking food about my friends. <laughs> that... Napoleon's army did when they were starving, retreating from Russia. Hey, uh, let's just quickly talk about some of the... I'm really interested in, in the different places that you've performed. Yeah. Because I, I know that it feeds your material as well. Mm -hmm. um, and even just last night with some of the people that we were sitting with who who were into the comedy scene, um, you were throwing around names of small towns and places I, I wasn't even that familiar with. So when you're performing, and, and you have all across Canada... Uh-huh. What little town or city really stands out to you? Well, um, you know, the most <laughs> iconic country I've really ever driven through, I think, was that first tour I took around the tip of Lake Superior about 20 years ago. Uh, smack dab in the heart of the Canadian Shield. I mean, if the world ended tomorrow, would have started up there for a week later. I'm stuck in a blizzard, a Yeti wouldn't wander with trucks logging trucks plowing out of the snow on my side of the road and uh you end up in these little places like Atacokan, you know 500 people in the town two last names <laughs> and but they were so nice you know somebody gave me a, a a bag after the show brown paper bag dripping blood what? A, yeah it had a seven and a half pound sirloin tip moose roast in it oh my god yeah, yeah i remember thinking boy you know you've made it in canadian showbiz when the locals are paying you butchered game <laughs> Somebody gave you a brown paper bag dripping blood in Vegas. It'll probably have the head of a teamster in it. So I, uh, you know, it's those little places uh, that dot the uh, big wide open of the country that resonate. But that's where you start, you know, and any comedian worth their salt has to hit the road. And it just so happens that uh, I chose to make a living in the second greatest national landmass on earth. So uh, when you've got the hood of your car pointed to, uh, 
you're traveling the West and you're, you have to find a way to make the country and the places resonate for you just beyond the gig, mm -hmm. you know, like standing small on Apache, Saskatchewan rolling prairie on one of those sun smiley meadowlark mornings, watching the wind rule the big wide open. That just charges me, man. Uh, or, uh, you know, being way up in the Yukon, I'm going there for a gig on Wednesday or, I mean, even trying to wrap my head around what makes British Columbia tick. Uh, the relationship with the seal is far different on the West Coast than it is on the East Coast. Yes, you're right. Yeah. You know, on the East Coast, our relationship with the seal is kind of like, so what do you think of my new hat? Yeah. <laughs> or in BC, the seals are swimming ashore at night and babysitting the children, you know, breastfeeding the little ones while mommy's <laughs> at Pilates. And then you go to Newfoundland, the ambassadors to the human heart, that province. And uh, I, I happened to tuck my myself into a bar at the Ships Inn one night when the uh, the weather was one of those mythic foggy St. John's nights, and Ron Hines was singing a lament to his city's harbor uh, while everybody rose in song. You know, these are these are moments that that happen to stir the soul and tickle me in a different way than just traditional one-liners do. So I think I think I landed somewhere in my stand-up between uh, poetry and comedy, you know. Mm -hmm. And I tried to sort of embrace the heartline hum of people in place clear across the big wide open. And uh, you know, when the winter's long and February's brutal, I sort of get nostalgic for Los Angeles. But once you get past the good weather and and the money, I mean, you really have to live, don't you? You yeah. got to live in a place that you love and. I raised my daughters here, and uh, it's a cool town. You know, and I think uh, because Canada is so big, and and often we don't discover the rest of the country. We well, we Toronto try to get tends away. to be traditionally myopic. I mean, yeah. it is the center of the universe, and <laughs> it's the center of media. And Vancouver's the same way, you know. And there's an awful lot of things to uh, to draw your attention here. Uh, yeah, it's a big city. To, it's a big city, and Massey Hall is a big room. Yeah. But, you, you know, this show that I'm doing at Massey Hall isn't so much about the rest of the country as it is about us. You well, know? which is great. And I think, uh, so we do have a winner, I believe, right, Elliot? So Good. thanks to everyone for calling in. We have a winner for Ron's show. Uh, but, of course, you can still go see it, ronjames.ca is the website where you can go to find out where his performances are and find out uh, how you can get tickets to his show. Um, thank you so much for joining me tonight. It's been thanks such a pleasure. Thanks for having me, and thanks for the book. Oh, you're welcome. Well, Great. I can't wait to see what you grill up with your... <laughs> thanks. <laughs> are you going to get some chickens? Yeah, well, I would like to, I'm going to get some chickens and I'm going to keep them at, at your condo because yours right. is uh, bigger than mine. <laughs> After the break, Australian-born chef Adam Heinem-Smith has traveled the world, also starred in a Food Network show, and opened one of Canada's first gourmet food trucks. He'll be in studio next and tell us about his great launch party that he's having. He also have a chance to win his new book. You're listening to the Page 10 Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Welcome back. It's Paige Chen covering for Vinnie White tonight. Uh, Vinnie's back next weekend. And um, in studio now, I have chef and food truck owner, Food Network 
post as well. You now have a lot a of credits bit. to your name. So Adam Hyden Smith, uh, your food truck is Al Gastronomo Vagabondo, which is one of the first gourmet food trucks in Canada, perhaps even the first in Ontario. Yep. That's been around since when? 2011? 2010. 2010. <laughs> yeah. All right. Have to look over at the boss there to double check that. Yeah. So your wife, Tammy, is in studio with you. Uh, congratulations. You're somewhat recently married, I want to say, within the past. Coming up two years. Wow. It's been a while since I've seen you. <laughs> <laughs> like, in my mind, you just got married. Also, in my mind, we just met at the airport. Yes. So yes. That was. Uh, so that was, that was three years ago. Three, four That years. was about three years ago. Yeah. So, uh Adam, I knew on Twitter, so I, I think we were just following each other yep. on Twitter. I knew that you had this fantastic food truck in Toronto that people were raving about, um, but I wasn't back in the city yet. So I had been traveling a little bit, visiting a friend in Australia, and I'm finally leaving Australia to come back to Toronto and try to find work and do all of that fun stuff. And then I'm checking Twitter because my flight out of Sydney is delayed. And I see that Adam is tweeting something about a delayed Sydney flight. <laughs> and we don't, you were just some random person I was following on Twitter. We, yep. we never met. I didn't know you from anyone else. And, uh, and then I look and I'm like, could we be on the same flight? Like, it's just so strange that two people from the same city who have mutual friends yep. end up sort of meeting on the other side of the world. And uh, then I'm like... I don't know what you look like. I'm carrying a green bag. <laughs> it was like the most, it was kind of crazy and it's, silly. It's like a movie. It is a little bit like yeah. that, you know, who who are you stalking someone at the airport? And uh, that was a fun three days of being at the airport, wasn't it? It, it was horrible. It horrible. was really quite awful. <laughs> That's how long our flight was delayed. It took three days to leave Sydney. So let's chat a bit about what's been happening with you because it's, um, you haven't really been in Toronto lately. No, we haven't. We've been uh, focusing all our energy down in the uh, Niagara region, mm -hmm. um, operating the truck down there. We've been setting up uh, as a pop-up uh, establishment serving food at a, a local brewery down there, Oast House uh, Brewery. Um, and, yeah, putting all our uh, effort into making that a success down there. Which is sad for those of us in Toronto who really loved your food when you were able to come down and, you know, be a part of some of the food festivals and all that but part of that was to do with how difficult it is to operate a food truck in toronto yes it's uh very tricky uh i, I haven't been paying much attention on uh what's going on up here i, I still I, I know that it's still uh quite tricky um it's still very restrictive and still very expensive so i don't know where it's at to be honest well i, I don't know <clears> that it's made much progress since you know since you were serving on the street of Toronto. <laughs> but I know that a lot of the food that you made, so your food truck, um, a lot of the food that you're making on the truck, you sort of translated into a cookbook. That's right. Yeah, we uh, basically got the opportunity, which was fantastic, to put a book together. Um, we've, we've, we've put everything that we've done since we've started the truck um, and all, all the pop-up events that we've done, We've put all those recipes, uh, new dishes, takes on dishes we've done. Everything's in there. Um, it's a very extensive book. There's, there's 175 recipes. So, wow. How long did it take for you guys to put that together? <laughs> Two years. <laughs> and you're still married. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she puts up with a lot, eh? <laughs> so let's talk a bit about uh, the kind of food that you cook. Because for a lot of listeners, they perhaps have never tried food from your truck, El Gastro. They may not have been down to the Niagara region to, to check out the food that you have at your pop-up. So how would you describe it? 
Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we do, we do, um, we've, we've changed the menu, uh, a lot since we first started, we've brought on a lot of new, uh, dishes and, and more complex dishes. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We've got, uh, we, st- we stick with our fish taco that we're known for, uh, which is the, the crispy cod taco with smoked pineapple and habanero hot sauce. Which um, is fantastic. thank you. Uh, we've got, uh, some new dishes on, which is our, uh, Egyptian egg, which is a, a soft, uh, a poached egg with, uh, dukkah, um, asparagus, candied bacon and, uh, tarragon dressing. So a lot of your dishes sound a little complicated. So tell, so uh, have you dumbed it down so that I can make it from your book? Uh, not, not necessarily. <laughs> There's some recipes in there that are, that are quite challenging, but it's, mm-hmm. they are, they are explained in depth um, and they are very doable at home. Okay. Um, there are a lot of recipes in there that are very simple to do though too. Um, but there's a lot of uh, exciting dishes, uh, a lot of flavorful dishes, um, and it's a really good it's a really good book to see uh, what we've done from the truck and, and it'll show how much work we've put into the food that's come from the truck. So let's talk a bit about your, your start in cooking because you're Australian born. Yep. You left Australia uh, when? Uh, oh, six. Yeah. Oh, six. And what was the reason for that? Was it just, you wanted, you're like, I, I need to cook elsewhere. I want to try their food. Yeah. I'd burnt out, um, putting a lot of hours into the restaurants I was working at, uh, back home. I burnt out. I got tired. I was burning the candle at both ends as a lot of chefs do in their early years. Um, so I basically got to the point where I had to, uh, pick up and leave and travel the world, go on a walkabout, as we say. So where did you go? Uh, started off coming to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> How did you make that decision? Uh, I, I, there was a lot of attractive girls in the uh, flyer. So, <laughs> <laughs> Who does tourism for Canada? Like, who are these photos? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I came to Canada and spent uh, uh, most of the year around here and then traveled over to North Africa and France and uh, England, well, I was living in England, tra- traveling Europe when I met, uh, Tam and, yeah. uh, came back to Canada and, uh, settled down here. Wow. So you've been to a lot of sort of eclectic little places. What are you, the food influences that you've picked up from there? Like North Africa, for example. Well, <clears throat> a lot of my training back in, uh, in Melbourne was at a restaurant called Mecca where we, uh, focused a lot of, uh, North African, Middle Eastern flavors, um, on the menu. Uh, so getting to Morocco and traveling through Morocco, I got to see and, and, uh, uh, get involved in the culture behind the dishes that I'd done back in Australia. Um, and then see the techniques that they use there and, and, and really focus on that. So, uh, there's some really cool things in Morocco. If you, if you get into the deep into the sooks and, and, uh, and get lost in there, it's, uh, it's, it's fantastic fun. So now how, what do you think about, um, Torontonians and their level of adventure in terms of food and eating. So when you started your, when you and Tam decided to start a food truck, uh, I guess, how did it evolve from the very first menu? Uh, it's, it, it, when we, when we first came out of the gates, we wanted to, we wanted to just do what we do, stick true to the uh, flavors of the dishes um, and not, not, you know, bend to all the requests and I'm allergic to this and I'm allergic to that. I don't eat this, don't eat that. This is the way it is. This mm-hmm. is the way it's served. We'll fit you in as best we can. But um, uh, we've we've stuck through it the whole way and uh, really lifted the the flavours and, and 
come to the party with it all. And if you look at food in in uh, Toronto, it's over the last five years, things have just exploded. There's so many talented chefs, so many awesome restaurants that have opened up. Toronto's fast becoming a and if not one of the best uh, cities in the world for for dining. So I I find that people are um, much more willing to try something different, and and I think a lot of that goes is credited to the fact that there are so many different cultures in the city. So yeah. we've always known that. We've always known there's been little India and Chinatown and, you know, little Italy and little Portugal and, and these areas where people didn't necessarily venture to as much if you weren't part of that community. But I've found in the my personal feeling is that in recent years, people are really looking to seek out uh, different ethnicities, mm. food from different cultures and becoming um, much more eager and willing to try something that they'd never heard of, you know, in their childhood. And and I'd also say uh, more legitimate ver- uh, versions of it, rather than the westernized North American versions of, of, a, of a cuisine, they're hunting for the, the, authentic, the real right. thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. They, right. they want to get real Asian food or, you know, real Middle Eastern food, not, not the westernized uh, yeah. bastardization it usually of it. does not come with like combo with a pop yeah like, <laughs> that's usually not the most authentic version of a food if it's if you get to pick it off of a number yeah um so now the book i know is full of beautiful recipes yep. and photos uh you are also having a bit of a like launch event so the the book is actually called curbside is that that's right? correct yeah. yeah it's uh called curbside um uh now i've gone blank it's my own book and i've gone blank <laughs> <laughs> uh, modern street fruit. Uh, modern street fruit. Uh, modern street food from a vagabond uh, chef. Okay, because that's exactly what you are. Yeah, exactly. So um, uh, it's a uh, yeah, it's coming out uh, real real soon, and we've got the uh, launch on uh, uh, Monday, fourth of May, yeah. at uh, Bastellan Restaurant. Uh, they're hope, uh, hosting it for us, and it's uh, it's uh, all in partnership with Samuel Adams. So now this launch is a chance for people. To, it's a ticketed event, so they yep. they buy a ticket. Uh, it's ninety dollars. It includes dinner. It also includes a copy of the book. Yep. you'll be there, so you can presumably sign it for everyone. Absolutely, personalize yeah. it. So the book itself is about thirty dollars. So that's a great value for dinner. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think it's also nice for people who may be familiar with the food or who have never tried your food and want a night out to go and try it. So of course, a, a limited number of tickets. Available and because uh, it's going to be at a, at a restaurant, will the food be a little bit different that you're serving? Well, it's a, yeah, I, that's one of the things too about the book is that uh, we've we're doing the street food that we've done on the truck, but we're showcasing the work that's gone into it. Like I said earlier, but with the plating that that is shown in the book, it's a lot more refined. It's not plated on paper plates and you know thrown together. It's a it's a very refined version of it. So when we're uh, at Bastellan, it'll be a lot more refined and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know fine dining. A little dining. more fancy. A little He's more waving fancy. his arms. Yeah. I'm like kind of a, a Fabulous. more fancy than like tucking a paper napkin into your shirt when you're trying and, yeah, not to exactly. dribble it when you're standing outside of a food truck <laughs> eating a fish taco. Yeah, so it'll be a lot more refined and uh, but still the the big flavors that we've gone with. So um, it's a good cro- cross section of a menu. Um, most of the uh, all of them are some of my favorite dishes out of the book. Yeah, um, like. For example, ah, we've got the uh, scallop and uh, zug ceviche. Excuse me. Uh, zug is a coriander relish from Yemen. Oh, yeah. How do you so, spell that? Uh, Z H O U G or H, zug. I should say, shouldn't I? <laughs> it's, and sorry, it's a what kind of relish? A cori- uh, cilantro. 
relish, coriander. relish yeah. from Yemen. Yes. Called Zook. So I feel you're like getting a, a, a Peruvian <laughs> slash, you know, Yemen. That's very cool. Yeah. So that's a that's a, uh, a one of the menu uh, one of the dishes, and then we've got the uh, Egyptian egg with candied bacon and asparagus. So that's going to be on there. I love all these international influences. Um, we're also going to give away copies of your book, which we will mail out to the winners because it doesn't exist yet. The book has it is not on shelves yet, but uh, when it comes in, uh, we will be giving away three copies. So that's coming up in just a couple of minutes. We will ask some sort of skill testing question. Elliot, of course, will be <laughs> on the phone lines and uh, and you could be one of the first people to win a copy of uh, Curbside, which is Adam's book. When we come back from the break, I also want to ask you a bit about uh, doing TV because I, you know, that's something that was a little bit different for you. You were yeah, I was just yeah. you were just this traveling chef <laughs> who came back to Toronto and thought, what am I gonna do? I'm getting married in a little bit. I need to start a business. You open a food truck, and then you know the food network comes calling. But uh, it was quite a responsibility for you to overhaul other people's restaurants. So we'll talk to Adam a little bit about that. Uh, you're listening to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Live until 10 p.m. You can always text in at 71010 if you have a question or comment. And uh, after the break, we'll also give you a chance to win one of these brand new cookbooks. Taking a break right here. Be back in a minute. Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. com is the website if you want to uh, catch up on podcasts of the show. I usually have them up there the next day. And, uh, you know, it makes for good commuter listening. Uh, I'm in for Vinnie White tonight until 10 p.m. You can always text in 71010. And uh, just before the break, I was uh, mentioning that we will give away copies of Adam Heinem-Smith's New cookbook. So he is the chef and also owner of El Gastronomo Vegabundo, which is a really great popular food truck, which for the most part is now based where? Around Niagara region. In the Niagara yep. region. So, well, now the weather is nice and people will be traveling to Niagara. Oh, it's fantastic. It's right? already it's already getting busy down there. So. so are you there most days of the week or is it weekends? Uh, well, this season we're going to be at the uh, Wednesday night supermarket in uh, Niagara-on-the-Lake at mm -hmm. uh, Garrison Village. Um Thursday nights, uh, we're at the Pelham Supermarket. Uh, and then over uh, Friday nights, every Friday night, we're at Oast House Brewery. Um, and then over the weekends, we've got loads of events that we've uh, we've got uh, filled up. Okay, great. So for if people do want to find you somewhere, typically like the days leading up to the weekend and the and the weekend. Absolutely. What's the website? Uh, Elgastronomo.com. No? Hey? Elgastro.com. Just want to mention that Tammy, his wife, yeah. is here to feed us all the proper information. I'm not the best with all the advertising <laughs> that, side of right. things. You know, you're supposed to just cook. Yeah. Just cook the food. Um, we also have copies. Uh, we want we want to give away three copies of Adam's new book, which is uh, not out yet. So for your chance to get your hands on one of the very first copies, 416-872-1010 or star 8255 on your cell phone. Tell Elliot the name of the cookbook. We have mentioned it a few times. So 416-872-1010 or star 8255 on your cell phone. First three correct callers 
will win a copy, which we will have mailed out to you once the book is hot off the presses, which it will be very, very soon. Very soon. Yeah, I, I, it's pretty much in the works as yeah. we speak. Yeah. Um, so just tell Elliot the name of Adam's cookbook. And, you know, for a hint, uh, it has some relation to where the, the food truck, truck parks. Where the truck, yep, yeah. parks when it's pulling up somewhere <laughs> it's enough i mean if they want to win a book they have to know the answer <laughs> so you were also on a couple of episodes of the food network's restaurant takeover that's correct yeah how was that because that involves so give me the premise of it uh a chef goes in with a designer uh, into a restaurant that needs uh uh, help with a, a, a takeover to get back on track. Right. So usually, like the the decor is outdated, the yeah. menu isn't doing well. So you your part is to go in there and help them revamp the menu. Absolutely, and uh, and and basically uh, update it so that we can try and attract clientele back and new clientele. What was that like working with someone else's restaurant trying to make something that was their kind of food? It's like trying to put a triangle peg through a circle hole. They don't. <laughs> Am I <laughs> getting? It, yeah. it, it's very difficult because they honestly believe that what they're doing is is right. And then when you try and explain to them that obviously it's not because you're struggling, so why don't we have a look at what's causing that and try and fix it, they don't see eye to eye with you. So it's very hard to convince somebody that's, that believes that they're doing the right thing. Did you ever come across a restaurant owner who was really, really open to your suggestions? Like from the get-go, they they knew they needed help and they were really receptive or for the most part, were they um, very defensive? Out of the the uh, owners that I uh, uh, tried to help, um, one of them was open to my ideas but uh, didn't, um, didn't really follow through with any of it. Okay. <laughs> uh, the other two, I'd like to say, uh, humored me a little bit. One of the one of the gentlemen didn't like me at all. Uh, <laughs> that could have had something to do with me telling him that his oh, mother's... Oh, what did you do? Oh, I told... Okay, wait, but keep it clean for radio. Well, it is clean. I okay. He's Italian, right? So you're, I'm already dealing with a, a sensitive, you know family situation. So I told him that his mother's uh, tomato sauce recipe tastes like battery <gasps> acid. That didn't go down too well. That is <laughs> offensive. Yeah. So so, uh, so I can see why he didn't warm up to you. No. Nah. <laughs> but I wasn't lying. I was, right. Like, you, well, that was, was your job. It was horrific. Yeah. You were there to, well, obviously, if, if the sauce was amazing, they wouldn't have needed your help. Right. Exactly. Uh, can you tell me about any, like, really disaster menu item that you saw or t tasted and you're like, I can't, I can't believe this was ever on a menu. Uh, well, being, being, uh, being told by, by, uh, one of them that they use fresh mushrooms yes. and seeing them take the fresh mushrooms out of a can. <laughs> well, they were fresh at some point. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't argue with that, but, um, oh yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if, uh, if I can say it, but. There's been, there was there was a few times that I had some stuff and then, you know, the next morning it wasn't pretty. Oh, no, that's <laughs> terrible. Well, you know, I think that's the popularity of these shows is people want to see the real, uh, like, 
they want to see what's really happening, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. But yeah, oh, yeah it gets scary. And it's a challenge. Yeah. Uh, would you do, would you do it again? Would Absolutely. You like to do it? Yeah. Yeah. It was okay. Good it didn't fun. turn you off from going in and kind of taking control of someone else's restaurant. Uh no, it was a, it was a good challenge. It was a good experience, and it and it uh, it taught me a lot. So yeah, I take some. I take some uh, leaves out of that one for sure. So, what would you, uh, what are your next plans? What would you like to do with the business? Uh, he looks over. He's looking over at Tammy, uh, his wife. Can I say? Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> We're working very hard at opening a restaurant at the moment in St. <gasps> Catharines. So. That's very exciting. We never we never count chickens. Obviously, there's no right? point. Yeah. Um, because. You never know what's gonna, what hurdles going to be thrown in, in in your way, but and opening a restaurant is no easy task. Not at all, no. Um, it's been it's been a few years now in the in the works, but uh, we're getting closer. Um, there's a, a few things that we need to iron out, but things are looking positive, so our fingers are crossed. That's great. So is that something uh, we could look for? And then it takes a while, right? So it'd be a year at least, or is it like? <clears throat> Yeah. Within six months? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. If things go well over the next few weeks, the goal would be before the end of the year. Then what will happen to the food truck? It'll keep going for sure. Yeah? Yeah. So now most of you, or some of your business catering as well with the truck? Uh, yeah, we, we get a lot of catering requests. There's there's a lot that we can't do because they're out of uh, the Niagara region. Um, but we, we, do a, we do a few weddings and uh, events around the wineries and... Um, go up to people's properties in the area. So we get a, f a fair whack of it, mm -hmm. yeah. No, I'm sure because you've served so many different people and you've, you know, you're changing your menu and you're trying different things out. Um, what do you wish people would eat more of or that they'd be more willing to try? Oh, I could put lamb's brains back on. You ha Did you have it on there at one point? Yeah. And so, did yeah, it do so, well? Yeah, it actually sold out. <laughs> but how many did you have? Five? Uh, Fifteen orders. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so like when you say sell out, I'm like, I want to know how many you started with. <laughs> we had 15 orders and I sold all of all really? of them. Really? Yeah. So it was, it was, I was actually surprised that I didn't have to persuade anybody. Every, like people saw and went, I'll give them You're a kidding. shot. No, dead set. But the people who ordered the, was it because they knew what it was? Like they were like, hey, I, I really get to see lamb's brains and I like it. Or did they order it because they thought, you know what? This is so different. Yeah. They, I, I'd, I'd say lean towards saying that they trusted me. So that was a, a feather in my cap that they trust me to, to give it a shot. So so I can guarantee you right now that 99% of listeners have heard you say lamb's brains and are going, ugh, that sounds <laughs> awful. So how did you prepare it? Sell it to me. Uh, well, soak them, um, uh, blanch them in a court bouillon and then... Uh, what is that? A what? A, a court bouillon. Uh, a, a, it's essentially a, po a poaching stock. Mm -hmm. um, and then... Uh, crumbed them and then they got uh, fried and then served them with a uh, sauce grabiche, um, grapes. You use so many big words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, grapes, Brussels sprouts, um, and uh, I think that was about it. I can't remember. So basically it's breaded and deep fried. Yeah. So which... it's like a chicken nugget. Uh, but I and I have had lamb's brain before, but it's yeah. ex it's very soft, very creamy. Yeah, very right? buttery. It's it's a lot like having uh, um, uh, sweetbreads. Yes. Yeah, very similar. Which oh. are not vegetarian. For anyone who's listening and does not know, because I have been at a restaurant when there was a vegetarian at the next table and they ordered sweetbreads, and then when it came and the waiter said that it was actually um, 
glands, right? Yeah. Yes. So from an from animals, and the woman was horrified because she'd been eating them, and she thought she'd ordered. Well, because it's it's a very misleading name. It is, it is. But they are they're so sweet, Brady. <laughs> aren't they? They're just fantastic. I don't think that when you eat a you know a deep fried, you're like, oh, it's sweet breadish. <laughs> what I think is it was sweet a, bread? I think someone someone with a sense of humor came up with that name Absolutely. to trick vegetarians. Yep. Um, what what can I find in your fridge all the time? What's always there? Beer. <laughs> <laughs> and my beer gut is a testament to that. <laughs> what do you cook at home, though? Uh, we don't cook much. Uh, coming into the barbecue season now, it'll yeah. be a barbecue every day. So what do you throw on the barbecue? Steak. Yeah. Uh, chicken wings, um, which I marinate in uh, Vegemite. Really? Bought, yeah, honey and Vegemite. Do you serve Vegemite much on your menu? No, because Canadians won't eat it. Tell Canadians what it is. It's not a, everyone it's knows. It's a yeast extract. Yes. <laughs> it's it's really salty and it's really malty and yummy. And then you, but the trick is, you only put a very very thin smear on your toast with so butter. It's, it's sold in a jar yeah. the way you would find uh, like jam or peanut butter, and that's yeah. often. So you can find it usually in the condiment aisle. Most major grocery stores, a lot of them do yeah, carry they, Vegemite. They carry, uh, yeah, around here they do. And yeah. Up in Toronto, you can definitely get it. Um, don't don't uh, don't get the Promite or Marmite. They're they're the English versions of it, and it's a lot sweeter. Okay. Um, Vegemite's the way to go. But the trick is, you just you don't put a lot on because if you put a lot on, it's way too salty, and then you you're never gonna like it. But put some tomato on there, a bit of avocado, your Vegemite, some butter. It's beautiful. Just the Even tiniest cheese. layer. Yeah, just a very very thin smear. But it didn't do well on the menu. No, it'll never do well. <laughs> But you sold out of lamb's brains yeah. and you can't sell Vegemite. No, wow. it's a tough ask. Canadians have a long way to go. Um, well, thanks so much for popping in. Really appreciate it because I know that you drove a bit of a way to get here. And uh, congrats on the book. So, again, curb, it's called Curbside. Yeah, Curbside, uh, modern street food from a vagabond chef. I got it right this time. You did. I didn't stumble over my words. <laughs> Oh. And then the launch party, if people want to come and uh, and have dinner made by you and yep. meet you and also get a copy of the book, then um, they can join go us online. at, uh, yeah, go online and get your tickets. Yeah, um, elgastro.com. Correct. And uh, it's at Bastellan Restaurant. Yeah. Fourth uh, of May. It's gonna be it's gonna be a great time. It's gonna, it's gonna be, be awesome. uh, intimate enough that people can can have a chat with you if they like. Absolutely. I'm already volunteering that they're gonna. Oh, everyone's gonna have a chat with you, Adam. Don't worry, I know you're cooking, but it's fine. You're used to multitasking. It's all good. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break here. You're listening to the Page Ten Show on In Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Also, uh, Ed Keenan will pop in and we'll find out what's coming up on his show at 10 p.m. Be back right after this. <laughs> is the Pay 10 Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Thanks for tuning in tonight, everyone. Pay10.com is the website, um, and I always like to encourage you to take a look and uh, check out some of the podcasts of previous shows. You can also find that in the iTunes store if you just Google Pay 10. It's a free podcast download. Perfect 
for commuting. Also, if you want to find me on uh, Twitter or Instagram, very easy. The handle is at Paychen. I always like to when people tweet me during the show. You have to remember that when I'm in here, it's usually myself, and then through the glass, I see Elliot. And there's usually no one else in the building. It's just the two of us, Elliot. It's very quaint. And yes, sometimes I do the show, and I, I know there's people listening, but I, it's nice when they interact. And then I, it's like, then it's two ways. Yes, it's a conversation. Instead of just me telling you about the fact that, oh, my God, you know what happened to me the other day? Tell us. <laughs> now I'm remembering something. Okay, do you, Two weeks ago, uh, I was mentioning that in my gym, so I'll just, for those who don't know, I live in a small condo that shares a gym with the hotel next door. And it's a very small gym. And two weeks ago, I was in there while Will Smith was in there working out with his trainer. I didn't realize at the time that he's in town shooting, um, is it called The Suicide Squad? I think so. It's a big superhero movie. I confess I don't know the latest film by Will Smith. Well, I, and Jared Leto's in town. So anyway, there's a lot of people who are going to be in big names who are in town um, because of this. So I didn't expect that he would be at the gym again after he saw how small it was and that we lack a lot of basic gym equipment. Um, So I've, I've not seen him again. Although I'm pretty sure he's thinking about how awesome I am at doing push-ups because I was showing off in front of him thinking like, yeah, look, I did four, five, five of them. The other day, though, I was in there and a woman came in and she looked kind of familiar to me. I wasn't I couldn't quite place her. And it's a bit trickier with women uh, because, you know, if they typically wear makeup and then you see them without, you know, you can maybe stare at them for an extra 30 seconds. But it was Jada Pinkett Smith. Whoa, they're married. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes, they are. They have reproduced together. They have children together. You're right. So I, that was a little bit exciting, but I didn't quite figure it out until I left because I was just doing so many jumping lunges that uh, I wasn't focused on identifying the woman who was there. Um, you know, I really wish Will Smith would call into the show. He's that, in town for a while. I would, I would love that. If someone knows Will Smith, he can call into the show anytime at 416-872-1010 or start 8255 on his cell phone. If you see Will Smith at a bar somewhere, harass him, get him to call the Paychen what show. What else is he doing on a Sunday night? He's probably just trying to figure out how to entertain himself and he could call he could even come by if he wanted to. I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with that too. So if anyone wants to like give me a hot tip on where Will Smith is, you can also tweet me at Paychen and let me know. He was once the Fresh Prince of Bel Air Pay. I love that show. I was really, really obsessed with that show. Um, I want to tell you a really sweet story. A- Elliot, do you have a teacher who has made a huge impact on your life? Yeah, like, there's a couple. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was one in university, a philosophy professor. He was great. James Cunningham. Who was also the name of the uh, actor, uh, host of East Street. Is that right? Yes. Oh, I didn't realize. I, I don't. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. Um, there's a really, really sweet story that was making the rounds this week. Um, a man sent. He tracked down his former teacher from high school, who is now 62 years old. When she was uh, a teacher to this gentleman in Missouri, it was her first year of being a teacher, and he tracked her down to say thank you. He wanted to tell her that. She left a huge impression on him, 
really impacted his life, that he thought she was a wonderful teacher and uh, appreciated how much she cared and respected her students. So he, he tracked her down to say thank you. And then uh, shortly thereafter, he mailed her a check for $10,000 and told her that he absolutely wanted her to spend it just on herself in any way that she wanted. And I thought this was a really lovely story. So it was basically... Um, Almost 40 years after this woman began teaching, Marilyn Meckham in Missouri, and her student is Kevin Purs. So this is 40 years later. She gets a phone call just to say thanks, and then later on a note with a $10,000 check. And he also wrote in the note, you were the B-E-S-T teacher ever, which doesn't really sound like something a 50-something-year-old man would write. Um, anyway, she said she cried. She was very overwhelmed, doesn't know quite yet what she's going to do with this check. But apparently this this man, now in his early 50s, um, has a habit. What he's been doing lately is, is he's been tracking down his former teachers to say thanks, and he's been sending checks. So I guess he's, you know, moderately successful, and he thought uh, it would be really nice to to thank the people who have helped him get where he is and, you know, send checks for some money. But it apparently it kind of spawned this thing on the Internet where people are now, if, even if you don't have money to s send, they're tracking down uh, people from their childhood that left a lasting impression on them just to say thank you. I mean, that can mean a lot 5, 10, 15, 50 years later to get a note like that. So I thought that was... Um, a very sweet story. Uh, coming up after the break, Ed Keenan is going to pop in. We'll find out what's coming up on his show at 10 p.m. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Back after this quick break. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Thanks for tuning in tonight. I'm covering for Vinnie White, and he is back next weekend we'll hear all about the couple of great weeks he's had in some nice warm weather but we had warm weather today did you get out ed it's, it was glorious day today so well, I, although i didn't spend too too much time outside i spent most of my day in a hockey arena were uh, you playing or was your son playing my my daughter and my oh, son both had games i nice. coached both of their teams yeah uh so that that makes for some longish sundays <laughs> Uh, but it's the semifinal week. Next week is the finals. And it was a great day in the arena, a great day out on the, you know, the playground out in front of the arena. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we went for a drive around, got dinner out, brunch out, and uh, just had <laughs> Basically fun. Basically didn't make any food So we did get inside. to walk down the streets. But it's, oh, <laughs> finally. Yeah. Fi there are people on Queen Street West right now mm -hmm. sitting on patios. Yes. Even though there's no more sun out, but this it's just, the, it's it's above zero. No, exactly. And we have about another week before it's so swelteringly hot that That's you want to stay thing. inside for the air conditioning. Spring is so, so incredibly short here. Yeah. Like, this is the weather we had today, and, and it looks like we'll have a couple of pretty nice days uh, during the week where it's, you know, like a light jacket weather, um, but, you know, right. maybe you could get away with open toe shoes. Uh, <laughs> we, we don't you, have it for long. You hear about these, uh, these rare, elusive, beautiful flowers that, you know, like flower people like go hunting for them because they only bloom for one day. Right, and they're so breathtakingly like the beautiful. Ch the cherry blossoms, but then, they, but then they die, right? Yes. And it's like that spring in Toronto is like there. There's that one day, 
<laughs> Remember that one day when it was yeah. nice and it wasn't cold and it wasn't hot and it wasn't Yesterday smoggy. morning I was wearing my toque when I walked oh. up to the gas station. Uh, and today there was a kid who showed up to our hockey game in shorts and a t-shirt. That's that's the the quick change of the weather here. And it's about time. Yeah. Well, you know, I went for a little wog, which is a walk slash jog. And um, I I dared, because I Sundays I don't go out very much because I'm usually doing a little bit of work at home and getting ready for the show. So I made a point of like trying to get out and I thought I would kill two birds with one stone. If I did a little bit of exercise outside, I would get mm-hmm. to enjoy the weather. So I dared to go out in just shorts and a tank top. And, and who was there? It was Will's. No, <laughs> wait. Will Jada Smith Pinkett. and Jada Pinkett Smith. Yeah. Um, and I was outside, and I thought, you know, I might be, you know, underdressed, but the hairs on my legs didn't stand up from the cold, so there I was you absolutely go. fine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> excellent. You know, I oh, I just said the word excellent, and I was thinking when you were talking about these people who who find their former teachers yeah. to send them money and stuff. Uh, in the control room, we were talking about. Uh, the former teachers who we we have less nice things about. Oh, no. But I remembered uh, there was this English teacher, and he was actually like a supply teacher who came into our high school for like a couple weeks, but he was teaching English. And at one point, he was trying to make a valid point because he had said something to to the kids about like, why do you learn English? Because they Mm -hmm. were giving him a hard time about some assignment. He was like, well, why do you even study English? And uh, I think I said like, you know, because I want to be a writer. Mm-hmm. And he said, nobody in this class is ever going to earn a living writing, writing, right? Oh, you're like you're kidding. just, nobody in this class is ever going to be a writer, right? Wow. That's ridiculous. So the reason is, and then he went on to talk about business correspondence and all of that. Mm-hmm. But of course I remember it. Yes. And I keep waiting for the chance to bump <laughs> into him to say, guess what I earn my living doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, you know, there's the radio too. You know but, what, that, it's too bad that... I understand that, you know, teachers, they're trying to prepare you for life and yeah. they want to be realistic. So nowadays when kids, n- now I hear about uh, my friends who's like tween aged uh, children and their friends, their job aspirations are, I'm going to be a rapper <laughs> right. or I'm going to be a YouTube star. But like that to me, I'm like, oh my God, you can't yeah. put all of, you can't expect that that's going to happen. So I wonder if sometimes... Some teachers are maybe a bit too honest or they're just too negative because they perhaps had that same aspiration and it didn't work out for them. But truthfully, yeah, I mean, I think that there's like there's this fine line. And I understand like in in every moment. I mean, I have three kids. Right. So you have good moments as a dad and bad moments as a dad. And I imagine educators, it's the same kind of way. Right. But there's got to be this fine line between uh, between trying to make sure that people are prepared for the possibility that their plan A doesn't work out, mm-hmm. right? Especially when it's a really low margin thing, like I'm going to be a professional hockey player yeah. or I'm going to be a, a, a rapper or I'm going to... And I mean, today, if, if somebody's saying I'm going to be a journalist, it's like, but we don't exactly know if people are going to be continue to get paid for that Well, uh, that's exa- in 25 yeah. years or yeah. so, right? So like you want to have some backup plans. Mm-hmm. There, there's a difference between kind of like keep following your dreams, but also have an escape hatch. Yes. And... Put that out of your mind because that's stupid and ridiculous. Like, especially when you're talking about, you know, young teenagers or like uh, children even younger than that. It's like astronaut, you know, prime minister. Yes. These are things. Sure. Sure. Try for it. Yes. You know what? Sky's the limit. Try it. But yeah. like you, YouTube, I couldn't believe that. No, I, there's a, be I a know YouTube a lot of star. young people who want to be a YouTube star. Because some of them make 
a ton of money, mm-hmm. but it's such a small percentage. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, you know, it's it's I uh, one of my and I know to the to the people who say they want to be a YouTube star, right? They're probably twelve years old, right, or fourteen years old, like or thirty nine. Oh, okay. Or, Possibly, but I mean, uh, the the bulk of people who like YouTube star is this big ambition, and they don't think there's anything weird about that. Probably don't remember a world before YouTube. But I was just looking at a, a review the other day, and it's like YouTube was launched. I believe it was in two thousand five or two thousand six. Wow! So it's like it's, it's still a decade or less mm-hmm. old, right? In ten years, we don't know. Like it could be replaced by the next thing, right? It might not. Right. Could, YouTube might be growing. the next, uh, I mean, it's established itself now as like this cornerstone of the internet. There's like Facebook, uh, Google, mm-hmm. YouTube, like there are these sites. But at the same time, technology changes so fast that it's entirely possible that that YouTube will be eclipsed by something else in a few years. Yeah. Uh, and you, then, never, you never know what, yeah. It's like, I'm going to be a WHA hockey player. <laughs> like that's. Yeah, yeah, that's it. What was that website that was um, the big, oh, not Napster. Friendster. Friendster. There was Friendster. There MySpace. was MySpace. Yeah. See, like, that's like, you're going to be a big MySpace star. Who knows? Yeah. There's other things that you <laughs> might want to do, perhaps. Um, what's coming up on your show? Uh, well, we're going to talk about a few things, I think. Uh, I want to talk about minding People who insist on minding their neighbor's business. I don't know if you heard Do about I... this letter in Cabbage Town. That the, Roger uh, Peterson. Roger Peterson. You know what's funny? I saw TV. him the day yeah. be, that may have been that same day that he would have got the letter like yeah. later on. So, okay, maybe a bit of backstory would help. Yeah. No, well, well, yeah. I mean, I'm going to talk about it on my show. But essentially, he got he lives in Cabbage Town, which is, of course, uh, a beautiful part of town, and now a fairly wealthy part of town where, where people take good ha- care of these houses that were all built you know, well over 100 years mm-hmm. ago. They're beautiful homes. So, But he, he got a letter from a neighbor who was upset with the way he kept his property. And you know, a key line that I want to talk about on my show, but it's like where he says, you could make some effort to make your home look like it looked in the 1800s. Which is such a a, a strange thing to say to someone. I can understand if if like he was keeping um, old car parts on his lawn. <laughs> and you know, sometimes there's like this discarded sink or toilet that no one's carted away and you, you leave a note for someone and you're like, you know what? Your front yard is in a dumpster. Could you please take care of your lawn? Something like that. But to the line in that note asking for him to keep his house in a way that would fit in with the 1800s is just absolutely absurd. Yeah, so I want to talk about that, and then maybe more generally, if people have things to, that they want to talk about about it, about the the whole idea. I mean, I guess everybody's got neighbors like this or yes. has encountered neighbors like this, of, but like these people who are so concerned uh, with with your property, mm-hmm. right? And so maybe we'll talk a bit about that. And I also want to talk about, uh, you know, where we should draw the line on employers uh, minding your business too. Because, of course, in the Toronto District School Board, there's this uh, report about a principal who who had his office under secret surveillance. He didn't know. uh, Reportedly, the Toronto District School Board uh, had a, a spy camera in a clock on his desk in his private office. Uh, is that legal? That 
questionably so. Uh, uh, but I mean, they they say now, you know, that the TDSB says that they haven't done that since 2007. Oh, good uh, for them. And that uh, and but the, you know, another school board said that there are circumstances where they have. Uh, undertaken surveillance without uh, people knowing in private offices. And it just, it seems to me like there's a line crossed there. I feel like, uh, I feel that is true. Like I've been in a workplace where I've had an office and to me that office is a, that is a private space. I've worked in places where I sit in a big open area with cubicles. I assume kind of that I'm being watched Yeah, more I mean, there. I think if you're in a public space yeah. and I think actually like, I, I think it's a good idea to let people know no matter what because then the cameras act as a disincentive to bad behavior as well as I used to well change in my office. Well, this is the thing. Like in this I, principal's office, he changed his clothes in yeah. his office regularly. He said because it's a private space. He held, of course, confidential private meetings with parents and students in there. Uh, as well, he he offered his, the use of his office to uh, teachers who and women who were breastfeeding. Um, oh. And, but you'll never believe what they thought he was doing allegedly, oh. uh, that they that they wanted to put a, a secret camera in there. Right, they wanted to catch him in the act yeah, of something. Of, of, well, maybe I'll spoil it, but writing a book <gasps> on school time. Whoa. <laughs> which, which just, I mean, there are things where you might think, How also, okay, we'll catch him stealing from us or embezzling we'll money drugs. or doing drugs. Having or, hookers. Yeah, but, but, yeah, but maybe goofing off. That's that's really what it was. So, you know, we talk about a cultural fear of the TDSB. Uh, I think this is what we're talking about. That's terrible. Uh, but I also I want to talk about, you know, where is the line of, of how much employers get to sort of police your behavior? Like, where's the reasonable line? Yeah, and then I think yeah. also a lot of people, I forget sometimes that there's cameras in this studio. Right. Um, and... I need to remember that in the newsroom, there's also, I don't remember that. So I, not that I'm doing anything terrible, but right. um, we're being watched more than we know and we realize. And where is that? But I mean, like when line? I use my work computers and I w use my phone that's supplied by my work, yeah. I assume yes. uh, that, that, you know, that my employer may be tracking that. When I'm in public areas, I, I understand where the security cameras are, but when there's a space that's meant to be private, yes. and you're not told otherwise. Yeah. You know what? I, you know how I traveled recently, about a month yeah. ago? I had a stopover in uh, London, England. I went into town. I went to a cafe. I used the washroom there. As I sat on the toilet, I looked up. There was a camera pointed <laughs> oh, at the toilet. Goodness. And I was like, you know what? It's too late. I'm here doing my business. It was just right out there in the open. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when in Rome. Yeah, so that, yeah. that footage is floating around somewhere. Uh, thanks so much, Ed. Ed Keenan, of course, is coming up at 10 p.m., so please stick around for that. Paychan.com is the website. You can also find podcasts in iTunes. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight. Really appreciate it. Thanks for all of your texts as well, and congrats to uh, the winners of Ron James tickets and also uh, for Adam's curbside book. I'll be back with you next Sunday at 8 p.m.